0: In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, I talk about starting something. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. Let's discover how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. So on Friday, we took a short drive from my house about six miles down the road to a brand new high school. It's a magnet school which focuses on technology and what they call innovation. This upcoming next school year, my son Kent will be a freshman in high school, and his new grade will be at the brand new school, which is opening its doors to both freshmen and sophomores this year, juniors next year, and then seniors the next. If everything goes to plan, Kent will be a part of the very first class to go through his entire high school career at this school. As we're driving to his new school, my wife and I are watching Kent to see if he's nervous, to see if he's fidgety or shifting, and to see if he needs any reassuring. He doesn't. We moved him from one county system where my wife works to a completely new system, which corresponds to where we live. In other words, because Kent has been going to a different school system, he doesn't know anybody here. That would make both my wife and I nervous. Kent looks out the window. Of all my kids, he's probably the most stoic and philosophic. He knew this was going to be the way things were going to go, and he understands worrying about it won't change it, so why worry? He's right. But as his parents, we can't help second-guessing our decisions that directly affect him. Starting new things often makes a lot of us worried because we don't know the end of the thing from the beginning. We just don't know for sure how things will end up. And we often don't know the next thing to do. But there's also excitement and hopefulness as we start to take first steps. It's not lost on me that the same day I'm helping Kent learn a new school, I'm also making the first Balancing the Christian Life conference where I'm the new person. But I see that differently, and I don't know that I should. In the conference, I'm the person who is new to everything, and I'm more excited by possibilities. But in Kent's circumstance, I'm the parent. It's my job to worry about the things Kent doesn't. I mean, he doesn't worry about getting supplies or arranging travel or most of the details. He simply prepares himself for the change and gets along with the business of getting it done. As Christians, I think we can learn a lot from both Kent and my conference experience and what it means to start something new. We need to look for good people to help, to do stuff without worrying about mistakes, and finally, learn from the experience as much as we can. As I was putting together the conference, one of the things I knew I needed to do was look for people who could help me because there was so much I knew I couldn't do by myself. I knew the software would be difficult, I knew motivating people to get started wouldn't be easy, and figuring out marketing was going to be daunting. Some of these were things I didn't understand well, and I would need to find people who could do what I couldn't. In the story of Moses in Exodus, chapters 3 and 4, Moses is being given a job by God to be his spokesman to the superpower of the day, Egypt. I think it's pretty understandable. Moses doesn't feel up to the task. I know God was behind him, but up until this point, he didn't have conversations with God. It's easy to criticize his lack of faith in his own abilities because, let's face it, God was telling him to go to the most powerful man and the most powerful kingdom, make a series of demands he already knew he wouldn't do, and show him he could do some pretty neat tricks, like turn his staff into a snake. It's easy to criticize Moses when we know the end of the story. But he eventually says, He's not a speaker. Please find someone else. Yes, I think Moses is scared, and yes, I think he's seriously undermining the confidence God is telling him to have in God's own abilities. But here's what I don't doubt. Moses knew his weaknesses. He knew he wasn't powerful. He knew he had his shortcomings. He knew he wasn't good enough. Someone pointed out to me, when God tells Moses that Aaron would be his spokesman to the people he was already on the way to see him. So God already knew Moses had problems. We're the same. Look, Kent will need help navigating high school. I need help pulling together a conference. In both of these situations, God knows what we don't have and is asking us to act anyway. Trust him enough to assume it's going to be okay because God will make sure it is. And if it doesn't happen the way I want it to, well, maybe that's something I can live with as well. But I think one of the things I was completely prepared for with the conference was that things would undoubtedly not go to plan. During several sessions, I heard about a problem someone was having which needed fixing. Someone made a mistake, some technology wasn't working, someone did something late, and suddenly someone was in a panic. I think being a parent has at least taught me to put a perspective mistakes and the inevitable problems you're going to have. Again, I'm reminded of Moses, who began his life under the sentence of death, was saved by a concerned mother, a sympathetic princess, and a plan God undoubtedly had a hand in. So his destiny as a Jewish slave in Egypt was upended and he was suddenly an adopted prince of Egypt. After a series of events, he goes from a prince to a fugitive to an alien in Midian, where he marries a local girl and turns shepherd. (laughs) From there, his life takes another turn, where he becomes a speaker and the leader of a group of exiled slaves on the way to conquer a country with absolutely no army. Okay. At what point would Moses be able to predict this? I think one of the most common recurring themes in the biblical text is how characters in the Bible end up having a story they could not predict because God happened to them. It's easy to say mistakes happen or things don't go to plan. But a better way to see this is to think my life doesn't necessarily go to my plan. If we will simply let God do what He will, our job is to try to take on God's character, do what we can, but accept the choices God has already made for our futures. That's not easy. Again, I feel confident when I'm talking about a conference I'm putting on with some friends, but I don't feel that way at all when I'm thinking about my son. He's 14. He's very good at math and science, which isn't my or Katie's background, and we desperately want to help him figure out his life's plan. I've asked him dozens of times what profession sounds interesting to him. The answer is always the same, Dad, I just don't know. (laughs) I don't know why this is upsetting to me, because at his stage in life, (laughs) my answer was pretty similar. But I think part of it is I want him to be happy. And my answer to that is choosing a path which puts you down a specific road. Not necessarily my path, but something that lets him make mistakes, course correct, and then choose another to see what fits better. Again, goal-directed dad here. Set a destination, course correct, and then decide if the destination is worth it at all. And as the parents on the sideline, we really want to help. I want him to try, fail, fail make mistakes, and let me help him get up again. But maybe the mistake is mine. Maybe I need to be more patient with the process. Trust that God not only has me pretty well figured out, but Kent as well. And maybe if Kent will trust God as well, maybe he'll end up okay. I mean, let's admit it. Moses' life turned out pretty well. I'm pretty happy with mine to this point. And maybe I'm going to have to trust God to keep on doing the same thing he always does with people in this situation. God has a pretty good track record with people who trust him. The conference I had just ended on Saturday night, which is why today's essay is on Sunday. And this is part of what I love. I'm learning from what just happened. Every experience you have teaches you something, if you'll pay attention. With my conference, I was curious to see what topics you were interested in. I made a guess, found some great friends who found some excellent speakers, and put it together. But now I want to see what I can learn. My son Kent also needs to figure out what he needs to learn to navigate high school. (laughs) As a 15-year-old guy, I'm often looking for answers to questions. But as a 14-year-old boy, I think Kent is probably trying to figure out the right questions. We're both starting something. But we're just at different places. The Moses that escaped a fugitive from Egypt was a very different man For the Moses who came back to be a spokesman for God, leaving, he was starting a life where he needed to figure out some profound but simple questions. Where should he live? What should he do? How should he occupy his time? Who should he marry? What profession would he have? But the Moses who came back had a mission which wasn't really his plan, but God's. He was learning a shepherd and fugitive could also be a servant for God. It would take him a lifetime to learn that, but he did learn. My son is starting something which will largely start defining his path, while I am starting something which will hopefully help me help others. I'm reminded how Jacob Hudgens recently told me about the transition we make from takers to givers. My son needs to take right now. And as his father, I want to give. We're both starting something, but just from opposite ends. As Christians, we need to learn to start new things well. Ask for help. Make some mistakes and learn what we can in the process. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, as I said, I'm recording this on Sunday, the day after the end of the Balancing the Christian Life virtual conference, and I am overcome with gratitude. I'm grateful to the people who organized the event. Hal Hammonds, Nathan Cox, Mark McCrary, Steve Wolfgang, and Jennifer Ackett. I'm also extremely grateful to all 47 of our speakers. My buddy Chris Emerson did an excellent job with the keynote, and he checked in several times to see how things were going. He even plugged the conference on his program, Excel Still More, which was a big help. But one of the things which blew me away was the generosity and goodwill of so many. Mark Roberts promoted the program through his publication, pressing on, as did Jared Bowman, Matt and Jen Schmidt and Hal Hammonds. Amber Jimerson designed graphics for us, and so many people from Washington State down to Florida and every place in between showed up to spend three days thinking about the good God we serve. <laughs> almost a hundred and fifty of us. And that was really inspiring. A lot of people thank me for doing this, and I'd love to take credit for that, but I really can't. It's one thing to have an idea, but something completely different to have so many help make it a reality, and that makes me very grateful. We started this year, and I'm excited to see what it will be next year. Lord willing, I've already announced a theme for next year, which is being good. <laughs> you could kind of predict that, couldn't you? And at least one of our keynote speakers will be my friend Keith Stonehart. <laughs> yes, I'll give you information on how to get tickets for next year as well, but that's going to be upcoming. A lot good is happening. Next time on the program, I plan to release my interview with Don Truex on Christian leadership. I plan to do that this week, but as you might guess, I got a little busy, but that conversation with Don is simply amazing. Don is a great guy. I was very blessed to be able to talk to him. So until next time, let's be good and do good.